Welcome into another week of All In. Today is Saturday, June 10th, and the WNBA season is really starting to heat up. It's a fun episode. Aces fell. They looked human for the first time. And then here in New York, the Liberty continued to dazzle. And this time it was Sabrina with her career high, 37. Eight made threes, of course, that being a Liberty franchise record. Today we got Julia Moss, Chaz McAdams, and our producer Brett with us. I'm Miles Grossman. And, you know, Julia... This season, I think, has been a bit tumultuous to start the year for the New York Liberty. The, a couple shaky starts against squads that you expect to roll, but now they roll over the Atlanta Dream on the road. Sabrina is the number one option for the first time this year. I mean, what are your main takeaways from this big win on the road over Atlanta? I mean, I think in this game in particular, we really saw the benefits of having such a wealth of riches within the New York Liberty. I mean, you've got Brianna Stewart, you've got John Quill Jones, and when you have so many shooters on your team, even Courtney Vandersloop and Nigel Lady, uh, what my biggest takeaway, and this is something that me and you talked about, Miles, off air a little bit, is, you know, they went under screens on Sabrina Unescu, and, and if that were to happen last season, you know, really head scratching and head scratching now, but it makes a little bit more sense because, you know, Sabrina's role has changed so many times just throughout this young season. There's only been like seven, eight games. And we've seen her score anywhere from as low as five to as high as, you know, the the game we just recently saw. It made threes um, career high in points. So her role has drastically changed just from game to game. And I feel like it's left teams really confused on how to handle her presence on the court. And the Liberty, I mean, to say the very least, the Liberty benefited from that confusion in this game. No, you're exactly right, Julie. I think last year you would never see a team consider going under screens on a three-point perimeter look against one of the best in the league in Sabrina Ionescu. But this year, she's been that facilitator first. And even with Vandersloot, she's almost the number two guard on this team. So when you when you can make a case that she's been the number four offensive option, teams have thought, Maybe that's not where this team wants to get their offense. Maybe we should be content with a Sabrina Unescu three-point shot, which obviously Sabrina proved that, you know, you just can't think that way defensively. And Chaz, I think, you know, Atlanta is in a really tough spot because how do you guard all those options? If Sabrina's going to get hot like that, to a certain extent, if you're the dream, you have to be like, okay, we're going to stop the one, two. And if Sabrina's going to have that day, she's going to have that day. Yeah, totally. I mean, Alicia Grant and, 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 and Ryan Howard both played uh, over 30 minutes that game, j- just, just trying to guard Sabrina. But I think honestly, Sabrina has been ridiculous out of this world, but I'm against, against the dream. I'm, I'm more looking at Courtney Vandersloot's 11 assists. 
the way the way the way that she's able to move the ball, especially because she has so many weapons with Brianna Stewart and and Sabrina Ionesco get getting it done around around the uh, around the arc. I think Courtney Vandersloot. I think that kind of ball movement. If you have weapons that all that all attack at once, sometimes there's not enough of the ball to go around. But if you have a guard like Vandersloot that can really pass the ball when she needs to be and be more of a facilitator, I think that's how you capitalize on having so many weapons. Absolutely. And Vandersloot's such a veteran. You know, she's you know she's gonna have that ability to pick apart a defense. She's got experience playing alongside in Euroleague basketball with her a couple of her teammates. So, you know, there's a lot of familiarity there. And so Liberty coming off that 106 83. It was really one of their most dominant wins of the season. Of course, it is against the dream, not necessarily someone you consider a playoff contender, but it's a dominant road win. And I think what the big difference was is that. Sabrina being a shooter was the number one look for the Liberty throughout this game, especially once she got hot. Now, Julia, is that something you want moving forward? Are we going to steer in the next couple of weeks in the direction of turn back to that Sabrina three-point look? Or are we going to probably keep Stewart and JJ down low as kind of the one-two punch offensively? What's so exciting about this team is that I have no idea. I literally don't know what they could do next week. It's changed so much, as I said before, from game to game. And I feel like people, you know, with this incredible game by Sabrina, and rightfully so, the attention should be there. Brianna Stewart still got her 25 points. She's still the second leading scorer in the WNBA. So I don't think that's going anywhere per se. But after Brianna Stewart, I think Courtney Vendersley will stay in that facilitator role. But how the rest of the cards lie for the rest of the season, I think you're going to see it change from a week to week basis. And that's going to suck for other teams so much. If this continues to be successful, because if you can win with Sabrina Unescu scoring 37 points, but you could also win with her scoring five. And let's say someone like Benijah Laney stepping up or Courtney Vandersloot, even stepping into more of a scoring role, you know, the more they gel together, the more unbeatable I think they get because each player has a very set purpose on this team. Courtney Vandersloot, amazing facilitator. Not a lot of teams have someone who's as good as facilitating offense as Courtney Vandersloot. Brianna Stewart, there is no one besides one person in the whole league that scores as many points as she does. Definitely a premier scorer. And then you have John Quill Jones, former MVP not too long ago, amazing defensive player. So you're covered with the best of the best from every single position. And we saw some rocky starts, some rocky games at the beginning of the season, but the more that they play, the more confident I get that, you know, we're looking in the postseason and we could see blowouts all the way to the end to, you know, probably the coveted Las Vegas, New York final that everyone is assuming is going to happen. Exactly right. I do expect that those kind of blowout performances are going to become sort of the norm over the next couple of months. And you look ahead, the next game is just tomorrow at 1 p.m. against the Wings at home and then. They'll host the Dream before they host the Mer- Mercury. And those are three teams that you can kind of say, I don't really expect any of them to be particularly competitive, which is a weird normal state for the Liberty when you say, I'm looking at 65, 70% of the league thinking these should not be competitive matchups. It's a very high bar for Sandy Brondello to get this team to reach night in and night out. Now, I'm wondering, is that an unrealistic standard moving forward, y'all? Is is should we not consider five, 10 losses unsuccessful? Like it ha- has the super team mantra kind of, kind of gotten out of hand is my point uh, at all. Do you feel that way, Chaz? I mean, <clears throat> super teams are always 
the 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 feeling's always too big to fail but 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 from what from what i've seen from from the liberty it that might be the first time that phrase has rung true because genuinely the way that just like what julia was talking about the way that they not they have certain players that fill such niche roles and and are able to Every every player in the New York Liberty's offense is able to highlight the best parts of their game and diminish the weaknesses of their game because they're covered by their teammates. Every every woman on that floor is is doing her thing along with helping her teammates do their thing. And I think that cohesion is what we it was it was uh, a little because I remember that it, it started off, started off a little shaky, but now getting into this getting into the swing of the season, I really think that uh, that that. What you said is correct, Miles. That this might be this might be the real super team that we all thought it was going to be in our exciting preseason predictions. I mean, it's tough for me. I go back and forth because the expectations really are just so high. It is fully championship or bust for anyone who follows the WNBA remotely has an idea of what the WNBA is about. It's all Las Vegas versus Liberty. Las Vegas versus Liberty, and it's tough to be in that position as either of those teams. Honestly, I know we talk about the Liberty a lot, but the you know, Las Vegas just won a championship. And if they don't get back there, the season's also going to be considered a failure for them. But, you know, focusing on the Liberty here, it, it's tough because, you know, we haven't seen expectations for a team this new so high ever in the history of the WNBA. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, do I think the expectations are too high? Yes, because I don't know if there's really, this might be a hot take, but I don't know if any team ever should be considered championship or bust because of just how hard it is to get to the championship in every professional league. It's very difficult. So putting that kind of expectation on any team in any professional league, I think it's automatically too high. And that's absolutely where the Liberty are right now. So expectations likely too high, but by no means would I be surprised if we're looking a few months from now and the Liberty are, are in the championship. And one of the things that they like to talk about, or at least early in the year during like the, the pre-season media sessions and early on would say, we can't consider this a championship or bust year. And if we start talking about that in-house now, that's the only way it's going to guarantee we're not going to end up there. So I think the Liberty are certainly aware of how that kind of mentality and how this pressure can can wear on them. And I think that they're, they're they should have the ability to, to to move past it, but it is hard. I mean, when you have two teams virtually taken seriously with everybody else considered behind the pack, it, it's, it's a lot of pressure for those two teams. And, you know, when you look at those aces, they started off undefeated and they just looked human for the very first time. But I wouldn't say that you can really compare the situation of the aces and the Liberty simply because the aces have done it before. They've proven to not only WNBA fans, but themselves. They know come postseason time, they've been there before. It's a very similar core. Obviously, Becky Hammond's still at the helm. So I think it's going to be a very confident team down the stretch. And I'm a little bit worried about how the Liberty are going to fare come postseason time simply because it's it's their first trip to the postseason, but I do want to stick with the Aces. We touched on it a little bit. They fell to Connecticut. Their first loss of the year was on the road at Mohegan Sun, 94-77. And it was the first loss of the year, a championship-caliber team. I, I'm wondering, does that loss more points to Connecticut being in that championship conversation, or is this just an instance of Las Vegas looking human? I think it's 
both things can be true at once, but I do lean more towards Connecticut as the real deal because you, I mean, every team is going to have their off days. Liberty have already had a few. So I think that also plays towards the, you know, the aces are currently better suited for a championship than the Liberty are because, you know, as you said, Miles, they have their core, but they just got better. They have their core, but they added Candace Barker, a WNBA legend. So um, the, the Lib- I mean, there was no shot ever the Aces were going to go undefeated this season. Is it great that their first loss comes as a, at the hand of a blowout? No, you don't want to see that in your first loss, but they still are 7-1. and one. They were 7-0 before this game, and I think that shouldn't be forgotten. But what I would focus on most from this game is how good Connecticut actually is. You know, they lost John Quill Jones, and they played like it doesn't matter. And you look at John Quill Jones' stats for the Liberty, and she hasn't exactly been lighting it up in New York either. So if anything, I think, you know, it might be crazy to say, but the Connecticut Sun might have benefited from Jones being traded because they're playing great right now. Yeah, sorry. I totally agree. I think the Suns are the real deal. Um, they their their defense on the perimeter has has been pretty pretty admirable. Brianna Jones with with two point one steals per game. I respect any player uh, in in any level of basketball averaging over two steals a game. My kind of player uh, love to see that. But all, all, all they have they have five players averaging either more than a steal or close to a steal a game and and when you have that level of perimeter defense you can negate some of the electrifying offense of um of of plum plum and 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 the the girls over in Las Vegas and I think that's what happened they I think I think at the end of the day the aces just got locked up I I really hear you Chaz and I think you know the Connecticut Sun, there were some question marks going into this year, and most of their core was intact. But like you said, J.J. gone, and the helm of the team and the GM-head coach combo, Kurt Miller, over to Los Angeles. And I think that can really change things. I, you know, when you have – there are very few left of those. I believe James Wade is now only – I believe one of three left – with Chicago Sky, where he's in both the GM and head coaching role, where there's one guy really in charge of building this roster and dishing out those minutes. And I think Kurt Miller was someone who built that Connecticut Sun team to what it was, a bit of a dynasty over the last five, 10 years. And him leaving over to Los Angeles with JJ left a lot of question marks. But the Connecticut Sun, what made him so good over the last five, 10 years was really that defensive intensity and that team defense that you touched on, Chaz, and that certainly hasn't gone anywhere, right? And even you have a couple offensive players, a lot of veterans that go off, including Bonner, as we saw. But really, it is the defense day in and day out that Connecticut makes themselves so reliable. I mean, if you find your identity on that side, that tenacious defense, that's a team that can absolutely hang with the one-two punch of the Liberty and the Aces. But Outside of Connecticut, the one team that I'm sort of looking at as in that upper echelon is the Dallas Wings. And and tomorrow, the Liberty will face off against those Wings. And I think this is a really interesting matchup for the Liberty because they've been tested. But but when you have an offensive superstar like Arike Agumbawale, there's really no guarantees, even, even on the road. So I think, you know, Julia, I'll turn to you here. When when the Liberty look ahead to tomorrow's game, what do you see is going to be the, the key over Dallas, and how do they carry that road momentum back to New York? 
I mean, I think it's got to be, you know, defense, right? I mean, you got someone like Enrique Agumbawale, and then they're playing Nataja Howard. They're all too familiar with with her gameplay. She's been playing very well with Dallas thus far. But outside of defense, I think, you know, they've had such a good offensive season. Just to throw some stats out there, you know, they're first in three-point percentage and second in three-point attempts. And to put that in perspective, Dallas is actually first in three-point attempts but they're second to last in the league in three-point percentage. So to put that in perspective, the Liberty are shooting a lot and making a lot. Dallas is shooting a lot and not making a lot. So I think you take that into account for sure when you're defending. Maybe, you know, go under screens at the perimeter, uh, much like uh, the Dream did against Sabrina, but maybe make it work for the Liberty. Um, So, yeah, I I think defending smartly, playing to... The wings' disadvantages, their weaknesses will be huge, and there there are some glaring uh, weaknesses such as three point shooting percentage. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a big thing. I uh, the Liberty have that ability to outscore the the wings easily. I think so. If you could just match that together with smart defensive play, it shouldn't. It sh- I could see this being a blowout as well. I I totally agree. I see Dallas as. As sort of a uh, as as a three as a three headed monster, you got Arike Agubawale, Satu Sabali, and Natasha Howard all playing big minutes down down in Dallas, uh, all averaging f- fifteen and above, and no one else on the team come work coming anywhere close. I think if you match up well against those three and you neutralize them, I agree with Julia. I think there's a chance that this is a wash for the Liberty. I also think real quick though. I also think. You know, the wings are set up really well for the future. I mean, they've got Maddie Segrist, who, you know, they're they're using sparingly right now, I'd say. But, you know, a couple years, maybe even next year, closer to the end of the season, we'll see a lot more of. And then also Lou, Lou Lopez said a shot, of course. I think they had a really good draft class for the future. But as for right now, I think the Liberty clean, easy. Yeah, this Dallas team is certainly exciting, but you guys both touched on it. I think what they're lacking is a bit of depth. There's certainly the offensive options in the starting lineup. So where the Liberty, I think, can capitalize is can they can they tire this Dallas Wings team out? Can they get in transition, push the pace early, possibly force Dallas to turn to their bench where there's that big discrepancy? I think if the Liberty are able to turn this into a transition ball game, Dallas is going to get run out the gym very possibly but liberty no by no means find their identity in that facet of the ball game there's been some games where you say this is uh, the liberty team that we're used to in transition and other days not so much so i i think if i'm sandy brondello i'm telling my squad push the pace let's get out ahead of this dallas wings team because dallas a very ferocious offensive starting five as well so i think you know you gotta get that identity proven out there we're a quick offensive ball club. But now, before we wrap up, I know this is kind of our, our week-in and week-out discussion, but the one-two punch in the WNBA has always been this year, the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. And I think this week, that conversation shifted. We saw Sabrina Unescu go off for a franchise record in threes, and then you see on the other side, LV taking their first loss, looking human against a really good Connecticut team. Julia, does that one-two punch of the aces at the solid one and the Liberty at the solid two shift at all in your mind with the loss? 
I mean, I think the Liberty should be feeling better about themselves after this week. But at the end of the day, this doesn't take away from the fact they lost 64 to 80 to the Mystics and have a couple of other kind of ugly losses. Of course, this 86-82 loss to the Sky. I mean, they haven't been the most consistent team, but I think this is really the first week we've seen the Liberty kind of get a leg up in a calendar seven days over the Aces. So it's a nice change of pace, but am I putting too much stock into this? No. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with Julia. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that, I think that, Las Vegas is still I for me it's 1A 1B not 1 2. I mean they 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 are really really so close. But I do agree that not only Liberty but the whole league can kind of exhale a- after that uh after that Vegas loss and that when Vegas came back down to earth and and they they obviously have their top 4. I mean when you have a 37-year-old Candace Parker playing 22 minutes a game, how deep is that going to take you into the postseason the playoffs? Still obviously very solid but you, you got to have some questions about that, but that's looking way towards the future for, for now. I think Vegas needs to take that loss and realize, hey, we're not invincible, reevaluate. And hey, you got to learn how to deal with a loss, especially if you're going to be running deep in the postseason. Absolutely. It's not going to be their only loss of the year. And mentally rebounding is, is going to be huge for Las Vegas, particularly. I don't even know when the last time they lost a ball game was. It's been many, many months, obviously, including that offseason. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. The Aces 7-1 and one as it stands. They'll face off against the Sky at home tomorrow. And on the other side, the Liberty stand at 5-2. and two, And they host the Wings tomorrow. Two big games against two solid mid-tier teams for that one-two punch. But that'll do it for our WNBA-only episode of All In this week. It's been Julia Moss, Chaz McAdams, our producer, Brett Tulip. Thank you so much. I've been Miles Grossman. See you next week. <laughs>